0: Well, let's end tonight with what has been a wild week in the U.S., uh, which began, of course, with this raid uh, by the FBI on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago uh, resort. We now know what FBI agents seized at Trump's uh, residence earlier this week. A federal judge decided this afternoon to unseal the warrant that authorized the search. The property receipt of items to recovered shows that agents uh, recovered a trove of top secret and other heavily classified documents. The Justice Department said in the warrant uh, application that it had probable cause to believe that Trump may have violated the Espionage Act, a federal law that prohibits the possession or transmission of
1: national defense information. Court papers show FBI agents took 11 sets of classified records from Mar-a-Lago, including documents labeled top secret. The court did not release specific details about what's in the documents, which former Justice Department official Steven Salzburg says is proper. Because that would reveal things that people who don't have security clearances aren't supposed to see. Trump has said the seized documents were all declassified, though that's unclear. He'd kept the documents despite multiple requests from agencies to follow federal law and hand them over. Both he and the Justice Department urged the judge to take the unusual step of unsealing the warrant. Sagar Magani, Washington.
0: Okay, so now you know what's happened. And in this whole saga, I mean, just another example of, it's almost mind-boggling when you watch it unfold. Uh, But perhaps what is most striking in the whole affair is it's once again laid bare what a deep divide there is in American politics where party loyalty reigns and what a deep distrust there is In American institutions, whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, especially when they believe they're getting the short end of the stick. So in this case, Trump supporters, suddenly the FBI has been weaponized and so forth. A few months ago, it was the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade. We saw it on the other side as well. So when you're watching it from afar, you think, wow, no one trusts anything in that country anymore. That must be a bad thing. Well, as my next guest puts it, it leaves America now in this Trump case with no good options. Quote, if the DOJ doesn't indict uh, Mr. Trump, they're destroying the rule of law. If they do indict Mr. Trump, they risk destroying the country or they risk destroying the rule of law in the first place. They risk destroying the country. It's a pretty stark assessment of what's going on there. But if you look at it pessimistically, uh, the Americans are in a tough spot because everything has become politicized. So it doesn't matter whether this was right or wrong. It matters which side of the political spectrum you're on. Joining me now with more on that is Stephen Marsh. He's an essayist and author of several books, including The Next Civil War. And he's just written a piece for the Globe and Mail called The Mar-a-Lago Raid Brings the U.S. A Step Closer to Civil War. To explain, he joins us now. Thank you so much. A fascinating article.
1: Real pleasure to be here. I'm I'm glad you liked it.
0: Yeah, I I mean, it just, with the kind of week we've had in the U.S., um, you know, because like all things these days, it sort of emerged in a strange way with the former president announcing himself that the FBI had been in his in his residence Mm -hmm. just the way it's unfolded over the course of the week with then merrick garland speaking yesterday about him having authorized uh the raid what it is they were looking for reporting about possible uh you know documents relating to nuclear weapons being held i mean it just feels like the whole thing is yet another another chapter in what has been a very strange story
1: well, the unimaginable keeps happening, right? I mean, that's kind of why I wrote the book, that's why I wrote The Next Civil War is because it's sort of like, well, if 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 the if things we can't believe keep happening, we must be really misunderstanding the basic ground of the situation. And I think, you know, just picturing like literally the Secret Service letting in the FBI to search an ex-president's house, I mean, you could never in the 1980s or 90s or even the the, te- the 2010s the 2000s you you could never have imagined it so yeah we're in on we're on in uncharted waters you know for sure
0: uh, you talked about this, this is a, a, an interesting reference about you know the united states democracy as, as either you know when it comes to former president trump either being married or being right you can't have both and, and that that's a very that sounds like a very um a very dire dilemma for 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 one of the world's oldest democracies
1: they are increasingly facing a lot of just bad choices, right, where there's no really good option. I mean, this is a perfect example because, you know, you really can't let Trump off from holding on to nuclear documents in Mar-a-Lago. Like, it's not, it's not really possible to do that. On the other hand, you know, if you arrest him and if you throw him in jail, uh, somewhere between... Forty, You know, somewhere around 40% of the country will really see that as politically motivated use of the Department of Justice to inflict partisan harm on them, right? And so, you know, neither of these choices are any good. And, you know, increasingly what we're seeing in America is just a country that's in dysfunction. Like, it's just it's – like, it's like a marriage that's breaking down. I mean, you really have to – like, at, at some point, you have to sit the kids down here and say, like, look, we tried our best, but it just, just isn't working out anymore.
0: Yeah, it felt like Merrick Garland was was trying to do that last night as attorney general, or at least, you know, be the the reasonable voice or try to explain here's why the rule of law is the way it works. Uh, But even that didn't I mean, it felt like the right thing to do. But it felt like it came a bit too late, even uh, given the circumstances. But it doesn't matter.
1: It's also pointless, because like, I mean, you know, January 6, like, I remember when January 6 happened, and people said to me, like, wow, you won't, need your book anymore because this is going to be a wake-up call for everybody and I was like no 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 like within a day they'll the right will have already processed this they have their own little meaning system where they'll just they'll convert it into something that it you know it what they they certainly won't call it an insurrection and you know within 12 hours uh, rush limbaugh was saying you know that he was comparing the january 6 people to uh you know the revolution the the, fa- the founding fathers of the country at concord right so you know nothing now is beyond partisanship Like every single thing gets taken in a partisan spirit. So explaining to American, the American public that the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what party they're in, they just don't believe it. They just won't accept that.
0: Stephen, do you ever get the uh, the sense, though, that there is there is a quiet majority in the middle, sort of watching both sides snipe at each other, thinking this is all just completely out of control?
1: Oh, there's a huge number of Americans who don't want any of this nonsense, right? Like, there's a, like, I, I mean, significant major a majority, I would say, but that 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 doesn't really matter because the system is in breakdown, right? Like, it, it's not a it's not a question of the the quality of you know American intelligence or something like that, or the people. It's it's that you have a governmental system that essentially makes uh, correct decisions impossible. Um, and when hyperpartisanship takes hold, as it has, and it infects these institutions, um, it's really almost impossible to get back. I mean, that's why the United States is a textbook case of a country headed for civil war. You know, nobody ever wants civil war when it happens, but they, they do happen.
0: Do you not see any way back from this? I mean, it feels like so much of it has been other than some very obvious examples of violence, such as January sixth and so on. Uh, But do you feel like there's no way back from this now? Do you feel like we've reached a point of no return? Or are we just heading that way?
1: Well, you know, I don't. I don't think anything's inevitable. Like this is not a book that says this one thing is going to happen. I mean, I put the odds of a civil war happening at about sixty-seven percent because that's what the expert class told me, and that's also what the popular uh, opinion held as the chances of a second civil war. But you know, to get back from it, you need a lot of n- non-partisan thinking, right? And you need a lot of willingness to address. Huge political questions in a broad-minded and collective spirit, and I just don't see any evidence of that whatsoever, right? Like, I don't see any evidence of that hyperpartisanship is going away anytime soon at all. Um, so, you know, of course there are ways back. There are plenty of ways back. I just don't – you have to have the will to do that, and I'm not really sure I do see the will to do that.
0: How much of how much further down the road, and, and you mentioned this, of course, in the op-ed in the Global Mail. How much how much further down the road does this raid push it, and, and and how do you how do you uphold the rule of law, and at the same time not continue to provoke further distrust in the institutions that Americans will need to have some faith in?
1: Well, you know. There are a lot of events that are destroying the faith in American institutions, right? Like, I I would say the the abortion decision, Mm -hmm. the Dobbs decision at the Supreme Court, that's a big jump. Like, that's that's where you're creating different legal entities in different states and women with literally different legal statuses in different states. That's a huge fracture in American public life. Um, This, to me, is just uh, on—it's actually quite small. Um, I mean, it's significant. But it's and it's evidence of this fracture happening. It's also evidence that like the basic feeling that there is a rule of law that transcends partisan politics has vanished. Um, but you know the, the the trends here are very deep. They're not things that that one single event can transform or even advance that much. It's just that they are they're quite continuous and sort of subterranean. Um, so you know it's both a, a big step, but also compared to the other steps that they've been taking. Like, you know, like like January 6th, like the Dobbs decision, um, you know, it's probably only one of the smaller ones, but nonetheless significant.
0: I'm speaking with Stephen Marsh. He's the essayist and author of several books, including The Next Civil War. We're talking about a piece he's just written for the Globe and Mail called The Mar-a-Lago Raid, brings the United States a step closer to civil war. When we come back, we'll talk about what impact this could have on Canada, cause Canada obviously, because we watch very closely what happens uh, in the U.S. And of course, whatever unfolds in the U.S. tends to have a uh, tends to have an effect here in this country as well. We'll talk about that when we come back. My guest this half hour is Stephen Marsh. He's an essayist and author of several books, including The Next Civil War. We're talking about an essay he's written for the Globe and Mail called The Mar-a-Lago Raid brings the United States a step closer uh, to that civil war and talking about why that is. Uh, clearly, on this side of the border, we watch with a, a lot of trepidation when it looks like, uh, you know, the American polity is breaking, coming apart at the seams to a certain extent. Um, what should we make it? Mean, we should be prepared, I'd imagine. If this is your yeah. your prediction, obviously, we're going to feel the impacts of it.
1: Yeah, there's no question that we do. I mean, I think every business leader and every political leader and every, uh, you know, I mean, we are involved in the United States in a way that very few countries are ever involved. We're functionally a satellite, right? And like economically, politically, culturally, like we we are very intimately bound up with the United States. So we need to prepare now what the actual nature of that preparations are is a bit above my pay grade. Like it seems to me like, it's very easy to say, Hey, why don't you decouple from the American economy? But obviously that's just not possible to do. Um, I mean, to me the most important thing is that we resist this partisan, you know, this partisan nonsense that they have stumbled into, you know, we have a very, um, excellent history in this country of respectful relationships between the parties and i i think you can actually see the american politics seeping over the border uh, on both sides and i find it incredibly ugly and something that we 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 have to resist as much as we possibly can I, i mean we i don't think we can do it all the way but um you know we have to resist it as far as we can both both the liberal party and the conservatives
0: yeah I mean, I mean I I you know a lot of politics is imitation right you see something mm-hmm. that works somewhere else and then you you adopt it and you know you transform it somewhat to to meet local circumstances but you know if something's working elsewhere it's funny how politics works that way right that uh you know there aren't a lot of original ideas when it comes to campaigning and issues and how to present them to a public and so on
1: well, it's also the news, right? Like, we're here, we get the American news, right? And so that, that seems to call on some Canadian politicians for a response. I mean, when there was that shooting in Uvalde, and, you know, Trudeau responded with new gun control regulations, I was like, you know, what are you doing? Like, that's not our problem. But it, it's too easy. It's too easy partisan shots, right? Like, um, we we, I don't think we want to get involved in that at all like we have a situation here where we have come to a consensus about the abortion question, where it is strictly a matter between a woman and her doctor. We should leave it exactly like that and not involve and, and, you know, not, Try and call conservatives names and say they're going to do in the states what they're they're going to do here what they're going to do in the states and similarly of course like uh, when when you look at conservative campaigning trying to imitate these angry things or the the trucker convoy which was obviously you know large in large part funded from American sources and certainly participated in a largely American discourse um, you know th- those are those are very ugly facts too so it. it it's hard to escape that shadow, but I mean, we really have to do our best to stay what we are, which is generally a policy-minded country who where where both sides are quite reasonable and are in agreement about the facts. I mean, if we lost that because of this, you know, meth lab on fire in our basement, uh, you know, below us on the main floor, uh, that would be a terrible loss for us, I think.
0: Are we taking it seriously enough, do you think? Are we talking about it enough? I, I, I mean.
1: When I was, when I first wrote, like, you know, this is based on a piece that I wrote for a Canadian Magazine in 2018. And mm. from then I've sort of, every, every time anything has ever happened with it, I've been called alarmist all the time. Um, that sort of stopped now. <laughs> like <laughs> people are starting to be like, you, you know, like I, I, people are starting to realize like, okay, like this is, this is very serious. And um, it's, it's evident that this is not, you know, I'm not exaggerating. Like the, it, it's not like political. Like a guy was shot in a field after trying to, after getting into a shootout with the FBI in defense of Trump. You have active calls for civil war on large, uh, large uh, conservative social media groups. Um, you know it, this is substantial. I, I think you have to be blind not to see it anymore. Um, you know, I as for taking it seriously, I think people are taking it seriously, but perhaps not quite as seriously as they should. I mean, I don't really know. The people that I hope are taking it seriously are like the CEO of Air Canada and all the premiers of all the provinces. They probably are getting briefings that are you know, much better than w- what you and I have as information. I hope so. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I hope that they're preparing. But of course, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I I mean, one of the things I mean I did talk to uh to Bruce Heyman recently, who's the former American ambassador to Canada. Uh right. and, and he was more optimistic. He he's no listen. He said, Listen, th- this country's been through many convulsions over the years, whether it was Vietnam and that you know, that era in the sixties, whether it was the recessions of the seventies. Um you know, and we've always come out the other side. I mean, clearly. Yeah, one of those in,
1: events was a civil war, right? Well, yes, Where 3% of the country died.
0: Indeed. Like, <laughs> I mean, one of the beauties of your book is that wouldn't it be great if you were wrong? I mean, that's one of the.
1: Oh, I, I would think. love it. I yeah. mean, it. The best case scenario here is that, you know, this is one of those books you see in a used bookstore five years from now. And you say, what an idiot. I mean, that would be the best case scenario for me and for everyone involved. But, you know, I think it's worth remembering, like during the first civil war, um Like Lincoln's Secretary of State, to just casually mention, like, well, we have the standing army. Why don't we go and conquer the North? Right. And this got leaked to the press. And that's why we confederate. Right. Like, that's why Canada confederated. Like, we realized, like, okay, these guys are losing their minds. And we have to, if we're going to, we either have to hang together or hang apart, as they hang us alone, as they say. Um, And, you know, that was the impetus for us actually becoming a unified country. And I think, you know, one one effect, I think ma- maybe this is just anecdotal, but when you see America in the state it's currently in, you sure feel glad to be a Canadian. Right. And you sure and you, you don't have you, you have, you know, most of my childhood was like longing to be like America in some way. Well, no, not anymore. Right. Like no one, n- not even the conservatives would say that anymore. Right. So, uh, you know, I think there's I I think we've always been in reaction to the United States. We were founded. You know, you know the the loyalists who who were the origin of Upper Canada and so on. Like they are literally the exiles from American Revolution. Um, the Confederation was founded in response to the to this civil war, and I think we are going to have a similar period of national nation building um, to protect ourselves from the chaos.
0: Stephen Marsh, thank you so much for your time.
1: My pleasure, Ben.